Open your eyes. There's something more. It's the fuel behind every success story. It's the first few letters on a page. It is key to progress. Revealed by the spirit. And without it, his people perish. What's your vision? Your city? Your nation? Technology? Culture? Or the arts? Vision for your life. Well, good morning. How's everyone? All right. Well, good to see you today. Today we're going to talk about faith. And before we get started, I want to, you know, faith is really trust, right? Trust. When you talk back to me, I preach better. Faith is kind of like trust, right? Okay. And so you have to really trust and you have to, I I just thought a couple of uh, videos might kind of help you understand how faith works. And sometimes faith doesn't always work right, as you're going to see in these videos, but I think you'll get the point. So let's, uh, let's watch the screens. Fall, and we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in, and we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm gonna count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay. One, two, three. No, no way! No, no. <laughs> right. All right. Now wait till you see these two knuckleheads. Oh, this is just too good, right? Hey, Izzy, go. Izzy, pop. Didn't you tell them they were going to hit forehead? Oh, my gosh. Does your head hurt after seeing that? So sometimes your faith doesn't work right. You fall into faith and trust, and you fall the wrong way. Well, it happens, right? You know, um, all the time, really all the time, I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes you say, oh, you're exaggerating. No, I'm really not exaggerating. All the time, meaning every Sunday, someone will say to me something like this, I wish I had more faith. Wish I knew how to, to enter into faith. I wish I could see God do uh, some miraculous things in my life. And so faith is always a, it's a big topic because, you know, you have this faith in God for your salvation, but what about that faith that really sees the reality of what you're trusting God for? I think we could all agree that we'd like to have more of that kind of faith, amen? We'd like to see that happening in our life. And so I want to talk about that today, and, and I want to try to give you some things that are really going to help and really, really make a difference in your life. And you're going to discover that there is a faith that operates in our mind, and there's a faith that operates in our heart, and they're, they're different. So I want to illustrate it like this. If you think about your faith, and your faith can grow, 
And we're going to call this the kind of faith that is related to the heart. And underneath this kind of faith, there's a foundation. There's another kind of faith, and it's really a faith of the mind. It's the kind of thing you would say, well, I know God can do that, but God's not doing that. I know God will work a miracle, but maybe not in me. And so this kind of faith operates over here in this mind kind of a a faith. But this one is the one that we're interested in because this is the one that the Bible talks about, brings about the reality of that which we're trusting God for. I just want to uh, read this. This is a, a really neat story. And we didn't, you know, things change from service to service because we just get new information. Uh, Monica, are you back there? Monica, will you stand up, Monica? Okay, Monica is holding a little miracle named Opal, right? The other Monica, you can stand up too. All Monicas stand up in the room. All right, but Monica, that's Opal, right? Now, I'm going to see if I got the story right. Okay, so this is the text. You tell me if it's right, if I got it wrong. At a prophetic conference we had, uh, you were here, and uh, Sean Boltz prophesied, is this correct, that uh, over you, um, that you've been dealing with infertility for three years and was given news that she would never have a child from a doctor. Sean said she would be pregnant. It would come before her third anniversary, or her anniversary, three days before she got the news she was pregnant and is here today with Opal. We love, we love miracles in the house. Congratulations. What a blessing of the Lord. Thank you so much. And uh, you'll be happy to know Sean will be with us again in December. He's going to be speaking here on Sunday morning, so we're looking forward to that. Um, anyway, I just wanted to, uh, to bring that. You know, the miracles of God, they, they operate out of this sense of uh, the prophetic and about out of the sense of faith. So there's some things that need to happen here for your faith to have a heart faith. And, and I'm just going to jot these down. We'll go over them uh, more. But you have to renew your mind. See, the problem with our mind is that it gets cluttered with stuff that we've heard over a lifetime that is not true or is detrimental to our faith. Uh, for example, if you ever remember as a child, did you ever hear this one, money doesn't grow on trees? Did you ever hear that one? Right? You know, and yes, it does. Have you bought almonds lately? They're expensive. Money does grow on trees. But, but that, that little idiom that we use, money doesn't grow on trees, what it does really is it sets a poverty mindset. It tells you that money is scarce and you, it's hard to get. And, and when you operate with that mindset, you can't help as a child but transfer that into adulthood, and then you would transfer that from your, from your natural physical world into your spiritual world, and so you think God operates on a sense of scarcity for you. So you have to renew your mind in all areas. Sometimes when we hear that term, renew your mind, we think, oh, well, you got to get you know, the, the bad things out of your mind that you're thinking. Well, that's true, but remember, there are things that don't classify themselves as sin. They just classify themselves as misdirected theology. Okay? So you have to renew your mind. The other thing is you really have to look at your heart, and you have to, your heart has to be established. And what I mean by that is that you, your heart has to be established so strong in the Word of God that it cannot be shaken. The, there's only one way to establish your heart in the Word of God, and that is to read the Word of God daily. 
You will never have an established heart if your only input of the Word of God is what you get from me on Sundays. You have to be feeding on the Word of God. You have to be reading it. Even if you read it only five minutes a day, you have to be in the Word of God to establish your heart. Because if you don't establish your heart, you're going to flip over here into the kind of faith that's related to your mind. And now your mind's trying to tell you what will work and won't work. And also, when, when, you're, when you're operating in this world, then when circumstances come that seem to be detrimental to what the Word of God has to say, then what you do is you blame the circumstances instead of looking at the reality of what's really going on in your life. You know, when you read the Word of God and, and something bad happens to you, then you understand something like this from the book of Psalms. It says, before, uh, uh, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. So what does that mean? That means that when God corrects me, it brings me back to the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, Proverbs tells us this, that you see a man skilled in his ways, he will not stand before obscure men, he will stand before kings. Now, all of us want to stand before kings in the sense that it's a place of probably importance, of prosperity, of prominence, or something like that. We want to be known. We want to, want to be recognized. But remember, the emphasis of that scripture is on your skill. Do you see a man skilled in his ways? So skill will present you before opportunity. But you have to hone your skill. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You have to hone that skill to be better at what you do in order to have that opportunity that you so desire. And then the third thing you really have to do is you have to transform your belief system. And what I mean by that is that you have a belief system that you've operated on, but it doesn't mean that it's correct. And so what you have to do is say, I have to correct it according to the Word of God. I have to push into another world. So I want to transform my belief system into the belief system that, that God's Bible is written about. So when the Bible says God will do something, then I go, my mindset says God will do something. God will answer my prayer. Do I believe that? I have to transform my belief system because you might say, I believe God will do that, but not for me. Well, then you have to renew your mind. And as you renew your mind, you say, how do I renew my mind? Well, the best way is to get into the Word of God and let your heart get established. It puts down roots. So that way, when the winds and change comes in your life, it doesn't blow you around. You're stable. You may, not look, you may look at the circumstances and say they're unfavorable right now, and I don't like what's going on, but you're unmoved because you're established. your heart has been established. Make sense? Okay, so um, I'm reading a book called The Traveler's Gift, and many of you may have read that. We had them at the first service, but we sold out. I would really encourage you to get it. It's by Andy Andrews. But it's a story. Uh, the main character in the story is a guy named uh, David Ponder. And David Ponder is a Fortune 500 executive who has everything in life going for him. He has a nice house. He has a nice car. has a nice family. He has insurance. He has money in the bank. Everything's going right for him. And then his company merges with another company, and he is uh, out of a job, which he didn't think would be a problem at first, but, but as he started looking and looking and looking, there were no jobs that could even come close to matching the income he was making at his previous job. And the weeks turned into years, and, and before long, he had lost everything he had. He no longer had a house. He no longer had the cars. He no longer had health insurance, and to make things worse, his daughter became very sick, 
and she needed a surgery that he could not afford to pay for. He tried to pray, but it really didn't work. It wasn't a practice in his life. It wasn't a part of who he was. So it was one of those desperation prayers that really was coming more out of the mind versus out of the heart. Because you see, he hadn't renewed mind, he hadn't established his heart, and he hadn't transformed his belief system. So now all of a sudden, he begins to think things like this, the world would be better without me. And there are many people that go into that point of despair, not knowing how to get out of that place of despair. And so in a desperate moment, he decided to take his own life. So he got in his car, and he drove, and he was driving very, very fast, and he was headed for a tree. And in the story, right before impact, he is, he is mysteriously transported in time. And he finds himself in front of five or six different people of history. President Truman, King Solomon, and finally, the angel Gabriel. And he's in heaven, and Gabriel is giving him a tour of heaven. And he begins to take him into room after room, and in one room there's money, in another room there's inventions that have never been revealed to mankind. And he finds himself, David finds himself wondering what is going on, and he asks finally, why am I here? Why am I here? And Gabriel asks this question of him. I think we have it up on the screen so you can see this quote from the book. Gabriel says, in times of despair, why does one person take his life while another is moved to greatness? You see, the one thing we all have in common is there have been things that have happened in our life that are unfortunate. We've had moments of despair. We've had setbacks and difficulties and challenges, have we not? It's kind of what it means to be the part of the human race. You might look at someone and think they don't have issues. Oh, yes, they do. We all do because that's what it means to be alive on planet Earth and not be perfect. But what, why the big difference? Why does one person become bitter and another person becomes better? Why does one fall into despair and other takes the challenge and rises to new heights? And this is the question. And then Gabriel goes on to say this, circumstances are rulers of the weak. Isn't this good? Circumstances are rulers of the weak, but they are weapons of the wise. Circumstances do not push or pull. They are daily lessons to be studied and gleaned for new knowledge and wisdom. And then David Ponder asks the question, what is this place? Gabriel responds, this, my friend, is the place that never was. You see, there are things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. There are things God wants to bring to you, but either a lack of hard work, a lack of faith, an improper way of, of seeing God, an unrenewed mind, a non-established heart, is keeping you from what God wants you to have in life and what God wants you to do in life. And what we want to do is we want to look at this from, a, from, the, world, from the biblical worldview and say, what is it that God is really saying? What is, what is he saying and how does my mind need to be renewed so that when I read the Bible, I read it the way he wants me to read it instead of the way I've been reading it? 
how do I establish my heart in such a way that my heart is so solid that when anything comes up against me, it doesn't phase me? It doesn't mean I like it. It doesn't mean I can prevent it. It just means I am established in the heart of God. And then how do I transform my belief system so that I have a belief system that actually aligns up with Scripture, aligns up with the heart of God, aligns up with the kingdom of God so that I thrive, and maybe others don't, but I thrive because I have found some keys to the kingdom. I had this thought, you know, you ever have thoughts, you go, that's a good one? You ever do that? You know, it's not like, I don't think it's really pride. It's just going, no, that's a good one because most of them aren't, <laughs> right? And this one I thought was a good one. And, and here's what I, the thought that came to me. Your world will expand in proportion to your dreams. When I was a kid, I was accused of being a daydreamer by all my teachers. And it's true. It is true. I would sit in class and I could totally, completely tune out everything the teacher said. It later would come back to haunt me a little bit during test time, but I could really tune them out. Because while she was talking about things that were uninteresting, I was traveling the world. I was flying from building to building. I was Superman. I was doing all those things. And then she would interrupt me with something about math and English and science. And, you know, and it seemed so rude at the time. Every report card, every parent-teacher meeting, you know, he's, uh, he's a good boy, but he is a daydreamer. And that became a negative. Think about the message that's, that's there that needs to have your mind renewed. That dreaming is a bad thing. It's better to learn stuff that you may or may not use as long as you stop dreaming. And so we take the dreams of the child, and somehow we don't balance them well with the education of the child. And God wants us to remain daydreamers our whole life. I expect during my message you will be daydreaming. I want you to daydream. I give you permission to daydream, to sit there and go, wow, he just said something, and what if, what if, what if? All the great things of life happen because of the what if moment. Am I right? And so we want to be dreaming all the time. I, I'm smart enough to know you can tune in and tune out and still get something out of this message. Because I tune out every once in a while, and I go, where was I? And if I just don't tell you, I say that, all right? Let me give you some scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ever heard people say something like this, you know, well, you don't know what's in my heart. But the answer is yes, we do. Because your mouth tells us what's in your heart. The mouth gives evidence of the heart. People say, well, you don't know my heart. Yes, we do know your heart. We know you're mean. We know you're negative. We know you don't have, we know, we know, we know. Because you can only keep your mouth closed so long until it reveals your heart. Is your mouth speaking life? Is your mouth speaking faith? Is your mouth speaking of those things of the kingdom of God? Or is it doing the opposite? Another scripture, Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, God who gives life to the dead. Now think about that. God says, one of my specialties is taking things that are dead and bringing them back to life. You have dreams in your heart. Maybe they're from childhood. Maybe they were from yesterday. But dreams in your heart, God says, I can bring that to life. I can bring that to life. But it's going to take you uh, to understand what faith is 
heart kind of faith is, where a renewed mind, an established heart, and a transformed belief system will look like. I can bring that to you. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He said, there are things that do not exist right now, but I can call them into being. And by the way, guess how I do that? I do that through you. I do it through the way that I've designed you in my image to do great and mighty things on this earth. You are my representative. You are my ambassador. You are my image bearer. You are me on planet earth. He doesn't do these things apart from you. Have you ever noticed that? Monica, I'm going to assume something here. This was not a miraculous conception. There was a man involved in this situation somewhere. Amen? You cooperated on something, and that was coupled with the faith and the prophetic word. It all worked. Think about it like that. It's just how God chooses to work in our world. It's a kingdom principle. So I'm going to give you a word that I promise you is rarely ever used in church. And if you, you have been in church and seen this word, I am surprised. But here's the word right here. It's called psycholinguistics. How many of you have ever heard that in church, psycholinguistics? Anybody? Good. I am a pioneer. Psycholinguistics. It's an interesting study because if you think about it, it's the mind, how the mind is related to what you say. That's really what it means. So I was reading uh, Lou Tice, and, and Lou is, is an expert in the field of, of, of the mind and linguistics, and he wrote this because it, it was so powerful. He is a believer. It has to do with faith because sometimes we say, well, I have faith, and, and I trusted God, and I haven't seen it, what's going on here. And when he brought this to my mind, I thought, this is really good. This is really helpful. This is what he said. I, I, I'll quote it up here on the, on the screen for you. It is, it is important not only to confess something, but how you confess it makes all the difference in the world. All right, now let's stop and think about that. Confess means I say that God is going to do something. But that is just part of the way that he says we need to get there. There's more to that. He goes on to write this. If you simply confess something, it goes into your personal belief system about 10%. If you confess it with imagination... Your personal belief system retains about 55%. If you confess it with imagination and emotion, it will go into your personal belief system about 100%. Now, stop and think about what, what he just said. When I say it, it's one thing. When I add to it imagination, it takes it up another notch. And when emotion enters into it, it goes up to full capacity. Why is that true? It is true because God created you with an imagination. You didn't just get it somewhere in school. You didn't catch it like the flu. You were designed by God with an imagination to see things that aren't there, to imagine what could it be like, what would it look like. So now I take confession, the word, what God says, he puts in my heart in faith. I add to it, I begin to see it playing out in my life. And then the emotions kick in, and all of a sudden now I am energized. This is not just something, a passing prayer request. This is something that is powerfully wired into my entire system. We talked several weeks ago about how the speech center of your brain is connected to your nervous system. 
that what you say out of your mouth literally affects your nervous system. That's why we say we have to control what we say. When we are negative, when we are despondent, when we are downcast, what we're doing, our brain says, oh, this is bad stuff. And it sends a signal to your nervous system, and your nervous system is affected, which then affects your attitude, affects every emotional dimension of your being and your physical health. This is the way God made us. The beauty of it is that Bible has been telling us this for thousands of years. Science is now coming to understand what the Bible has been purporting for, for thousands of years. It just didn't come in scientific terms, so we didn't know how to really connect it up. So there's, there's different kinds of faith. There's the faith of the mind. There's the faith of the heart. So what do we need? We need, in order to have this kind of heart faith, we need these three things to be true in our life. We need to renew our mind. We need our mind renewed. Now, remember, renewing our mind uh, is something that God tells us to do on an ongoing basis. You can find it in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. And it says, if you renew your mind, you won't be conformed to the thinking of the earth. See, earth thinking is fine if you don't have heaven thinking. If all you know is this, then this doesn't even seem that exciting. But once you understand that you can think the thoughts of God, that you can enter into a whole new way of looking at life from God's perspective, now earth thinking really seems like second-class stuff. Because now you see things with a new sense of purpose, a, a new uh, idea, a new uh, uh, abandonment of, of what's here on earth, and you go, well, there are no limits in God. This is just what God does. I'm so excited about Christmas. We're going to um, do a series in the month of December called Miracles. We're already kind of collecting miracles, and we're, we're going to have different Sundays where we're, we're going to talk about miracles and what God's done in the house and, and some of the stories that I'm just dying to tell, but I have to hold back. I should have held yours, Monica, but I just couldn't take it. I just, I'm like a kid at Christmas. i got to open the gift. But, um, but we're going to be talking about some of those kind of things. And, and I was sitting with, at coffee with my friend Paul uh, this week, and, and uh, we were talking about Peru and this crusade, and we're, we're supposed to know the city we're going to have the stadium event in. Um, we're supposed to know next week. All they'll tell us is that we'll be in a stadium of twenty-five to 50,000 people. That's all we know, and it's in Peru. And uh, our team will be there leading. I'll be preaching in that, in that stadium. It's going to be a great time together. But anyway, he was asking me about people who are going to Peru. And he sa I said, how much is it? And I said, I don't know. It's about probably about $2,500. I really don't know. And, and he said, so, and how many people do you want to go? And I said, 100. So you need a quarter of a million dollars. And I, I wasn't even thinking that way. All I was thinking about was, no, I was thinking they were going to raise their own money. But when he said it, let me tell you what happened. Inside of me, there was something that just leaped. It was faith that leaped inside of me. Because here's someone who thought I was just talking about raising a quarter of a million dollars. And it didn't seem to phase him a bit. And I felt something kick inside of me. You know, ladies, when you're pregnant, you know, and you feel that first baby kick, and you go, this is amazing, right? And then you want everybody to feel it, right? Feel my belly. The baby's kicking. You know, it's, it's kind of an awkward moment. You know, hey, feel this. Yell, Pastor. Now, Pastor ain't doing that right now. Um, but, 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 you know, but faith has the same way. It kicks inside of you. You go, oh. And what you want to do is you want to keep, you want the kicking to continue. You see what I'm talking about? Ah, forget that kicking. Be quiet down there. You imagine a baby 
Quit kicking. Stop it. Enough of that. No, it's evidence of life. When faith is kicking in you, it's evidence of life. It wants to be born. That's why you get pregnant. I mean, tell, show me a woman who wants to be pregnant her whole life and never deliver. What do they say? I'm so happy to have a baby. This is month three. Month four, oh, it's so wonderful. Month five, oh, it's getting a little hard. Month six, coming in, holding their back. Month eight, it's going to be early. <laughs> Got to sleep on my back. Sweating. Chopped all her hair off, just can't even take it anymore. Everything goes, I don't care, it's all gone. Right? Nobody wants to be pregnant forever. Can I get an amen? All right, so faith is the same way. You want to you get that, that conception happening in there, and you want to give birth to what you're trusting God for. Amen? Amen. All right, so you want to renew your mind, establish your heart in the Word of God. You want to transform your belief system. Now, here's another thought I had. Another one I thought was actually good, okay? Two out of 100 is not bad. When you align your thinking... When you align your thinking with the kingdom, you release all the promises and the provisions of God. So there needs to be an alignment. This is all about the kingdom. So I get my, I get my, my mind, my thinking aligned up with the, the way the kingdom operates, not the way I think it works, the way it really works. And I get it lined up that way, and now all of a sudden, it's instead of a car that's out of alignment, you know, it's pulling to the right, pulling to the left. You see, sometimes our thinking is, is out of alignment, and it's pulling us into the direction of natural thinking of the earth instead of kingdom thinking. So what I want to do is I want to line it up in a good way. Because, you see, God's plan for us is, is abundant life. Abundant life is a kingdom principle. Jesus said this in John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay, now, watch this. What is the thief? That is Satan. What does he do? He comes and he's got three agenda items on his list. He says, I want to steal your dreams. I want to steal your faith. I want to steal your life. I want to steal your purpose. I want to kill you. I want to destroy you. That's his goal. However, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. That's why I came. I came that you have life, but not just life, not just salvation. That's what he's talking about there. He's talking about two dimensions of life here. First dimension of life is I came that you might have salvation life. That's life. But that you might have it more abundantly. So you see, you can be saved and not live an abundant life. Abundant life has to do with every area of your life. It's not the freedom from problems. It's power in the midst of problems. Your life can be falling apart, and somebody will say to you, how you doing? I'm doing great. Now, I don't like this, this, and this, and I wish it weren't true, but you know I know God's got a way he's going to get me through this. Amen? And see, that's abundant life. Abundant life says God's going to show me how to prosper in times where there is no prosperity. I'm going to thrive when everybody else is crying because I just trust in God. I'm just going to trust in God. So what do I do? Three things. I reject the lie. I accept life, and I enter into abundance. That's what he tells us to do. 
I have come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Because what does God do? Now watch this truth. This is a great truth. Take a picture of this thought that's coming up here. God releases your future through you. Now look what I'm saying there. God releases your future through you. You get to determine your future. We don't live by fate. See, astrology is based on fate. If I'm born under the right star, then I'm going to have these characteristics, and this stuff's going to go right, and this stuff's going to go wrong. That's about as far from anything in the Bible you can find. We don't live by fate. We live by faith. Amen? You don't want to know the sign I'm under? I'm under the sign of the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus. By the way, just to make it clear, this way it's all clear, when people ask me what sign I'm under, I always tell them I'm under the, under the blood of Christ. I never say I'm whatever that sign is. I don't give the enemy credit for fate. If you're quote, if you if you think you're in bondage under your when you were born, you need to back up and go back to renewed mind. Because God made you after his image. You're not created after Greek mythology's image. Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, and by the word, this word exceedingly in the Greek means more than necessary. In other words, God wants to do things in your life that you don't even need. You don't need it. I just want to do it for you. Well, won't he supply our needs? Yes, but he'll also go beyond that. Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask, all that we could ever think about. That's what I want to do. So let me tell you what I, what I was doing this, uh, this week. Every day, every day I go to the same window in our house, and I haven't missed a day since we've been in this house. Every day I go to the house, I go to the same window, I stand at that window, and I pray something like this. God, I want to thank you for your provisions in my life. I want to thank you for the way you've blessed us. I want to thank you for the physical, spiritual, financial, every blessing that we have on earth. I thank you for it, God. And I know it's not mine, it's yours, and you've given it to me to steward. Okay? And so I was walking down the hall, and I just said, God, I just thank you that you've just done exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all I could ever ask or think. And you know, sometimes God interrupts you. He interrupted me and goes, what's your address? I'm going to write part of my address. I'm going to put it all down because you all come see me. So this is my address. Three twenty East. He said, I want you to know you're living an Ephesians three twenty experience. Now how could I live there almost a year and, and that never even clicked to me because see that's revelation. God wants to give you revelation to explain what what He's doing in your life. But you have to start with thankfulness for what you do have. Acknowledgement, it's not yours, it's his. And now how do I steward it the best possible way I can? I do that with what? A renewed mind, an established heart, a transformed belief system in my life. Now let me, let me just 
take you through this scripture. I want to show it to you in a diagram here. Take a look at this diagram. It's just Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. God is able to do, able to do what we ask, able to do what we think, able to do what we ask or think, able to do above what we ask or think, able to do abundantly above what we ask or think. But look how he does it according to his power at work in us presently. See, it's a partnership. You have to ask for God to operate in your life. God has chosen that prayer will be the way that he gets things done on earth. That's just how he chose them. If you really want to see what would God show up in a situation, you have to put prayer to it. So I'm going to give you three things that I think are really important. Here's the first one. You have to break away from status quo thinking. Break away from status quo thinking. Status quo is I'm comfortable with things are. This is just the way it is. If you're happy, if you're content with not seeing more prayers answered in your life, then that's status quo thinking. But remember, if you're going to break away from it, you can't be comfortable anymore with that. Now it has to be risky. During December, we're going to be talking about miracles. What would be the Christmas miracle you would like to see happen? Break out a status quo thing and say, God, that's what I want to see happen. Secondly, you have to stop practicing self-betrayal. Now, self-betrayal is when I do those things uh, that are not beneficial to me or where I'm going in life. I was watching a show on the Discovery Station, and it was talking about animals and how animals never practice self-betrayal. They'll always do what's in their best interest. You think your dog loves you? No, he wants a snack. Okay? He wags his tail. He goes, watch this one. I'm going to wag this tail. Lift my ears up. I'm getting a cookie. I guarantee you. Okay, animals, so he, the story went on to say, like an animal trapped in a, uh, that gets in a trap, it will chew its leg off because it knows that if I stay in this trap, I will die. Man, he will lay there in the trap and bleed to death. I mean, there's no way I'm chewing my leg off. I mean, look at these tree stumps. It'd take me six months to chew that thing off. You know what I'm talking about? So somebody goes to the doctor, they say you have emphysema, you have to quit smoking. What do they do? They get out the car and they light a cigarette. That's self-betrayal. We do what's not in our best interest. You say, I heard this message, I believe you're right, and I believe I need to do that, but self-betrayal would say, but why would I renew my mind? Why would I establish my heart? Why would I transform my belief system? Stop practicing self-betrayal. Number three, release the power of the Spirit that's in you. See, the Spirit of God is in you. He wants out. He wants to be like a river that flows out of your innermost being, right? Flow these streams of living water. That's what God said. This is what Jesus said. Let it just flow, let it flow. But it gets stagnant. Your faith gets stagnant when you don't use it. When the Spirit of God is not released in your life, you don't get to see the benefits of what the power of the river of life can do. It's cleansing, it's purifying, it's powerful, it's mighty, it never stops. It takes every bit of pollution in its way and it pushes it out of the way because it is the river of life that flows from the throne of God. 
And on every side of the river, there are the trees of life that are for the healing of the nations. And that river is flowing right now. It's just flowing. And, and you say, I want the river in my life. I want to see that. I want to experience this. I want all that God has for me. I want my mind renewed. I want my, my heart established. And I want my belief system transformed so that I can see what God wants me to see. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. As you stand with me, I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read something that I've read to you earlier. It was from the book... It's the dialogue of Gabriel. Gabriel asked this question, in times of despair, why does one person take his life while another is moved to greatness? Circumstances are rulers of the weak, but they are weapons of the wise. Circumstances do not push or pull. They are daily lessons to be studied and gleaned for the knowledge and wisdom. What is this place? It's the place that never was. There are some places like that in your life that is a never was, but it can be a reality today. You can enter in to a new way of thinking, a new way of receiving, a new way of living that you hadn't lived before. It's a process. Nothing is instant. Everything happens over time. It's, that's a kingdom principle too. But I want you to enter into that now. So if you would just, uh, uh, if you say right now, Pastor, just lift your hand up, just eyes closed. Lift your hand up if you say, God put something on my heart that I want to trust him for. Would you just put that up? Okay. It's going to require moving out of status quo thinking. It's going to require me to live uh, faith with my heart, not my mind. And it's going, to, it's going to transform me and people around me. Now, you, see, you have your hand up. Okay, just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I receive the faith and the power to live out this dream. I refuse status quo thinking. I enter in to the powerful principles of the kingdom in Jesus' name. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. Let's sing. As we sing this, just sing out your, what you're, you're believing God for, what you're trusting God. Amen. Let's just sing it right now.
Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. What a great day. Amen.